time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Tuesday, July 21st, 2020. Rolling right along as we always are here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Another thank you to Danny Castro for coming on the program yesterday. If you've not had an opportunity to hear that episode, it's up there and available to you, just as all of our episodes are here on the Get Home Safe, whether it be Anchor, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. We appreciate your listenership and uh, your involvement in our program as well. For those who have come on the program and who maybe are thinking about it in the near future, you know, we look forward to chatting with you and we look forward to hearing from all of our listeners uh, however they go about doing so, whether it be an email or a voice message, and we'll get into all that towards the end of the show here. But we, we really love and support our, our listeners and uh, couldn't be happier with how this show has grown over the past few months here. I, I got to tell you, for those who are new to listening to this program, every so often I'll kind of talk about where it all started, how it all began. And it was in January. I was in my car sitting, listening to some other podcasts, and I was driving for Uber and Lyft at the time. And so I was listening to a lot more podcasts and I started to think, well, how in the world do you do this? And I looked it up and sure enough, Anchor was the simple way to do it. And so Anchor has been with me every step of the way through this thing, making it very simple for a non-tech guy like me to, uh, you know, put out some episodes. And I was starting it just kind of rambling into my telephone here for a while and doing it once a week, once every couple of weeks, once a month. Uh, not not really knowing what to talk about, like 30 minute episodes of just me rambling. And then uh, the quarantine hit. So here we are. I said, well, I got the time. Let's dive into this thing, make it a Monday through Friday show, bring on guests, do the whole thing, uh, try to uh, make it grow. And it's taken off. It's been great. It's been uh, such a blessing, an opportunity to run this up this uh, podcast, I should say, uh, every day, Monday through Friday. We release new episodes every morning. And it's been great to catch up with all the different people I have uh, come across in my life at, at different times. I will say that those who do listen to this show know that there's a lot of people from Rihondo Prep, where I went to high school in Arcadia, California, small private school, unique school, a special place. A lot of the guests who come on here are from uh, that school, whether before me, after me, people that I coach, people that I played ball with. Uh, a lot of different types of people from Rio. Again, small community kind of a, a feeling to the school. And a lot of different people have gone out, out and done uh, really great things, whether it be the military or teachers or working in sports, uh, doing a lot of different things. So that's why a lot of the people who come on the program uh, are from Rohondo Prep. And some people will be like, well, what's all this like high school talk all the time? It's not really high school talk. It's just talking about experiences that each of us had, some similar, some not similar, and just you know, talking about uh, kind of where we come from. And so that's where a lot of the guests who've come on are Real Hondo Prep alum. Uh, you know, some of them uh, aren't in contact with the school much anymore. But again, that's where we kind of interacted and where we met. The other group of people that generally either come on the show or our listeners 
are uh, guys who I umpired minor league baseball with. I traveled around with, interacted with, maybe wasn't even a partner with, but came up in the minor leagues at the same time. So that's kind of a, a special group to me as well because they're guys from all over the country, really. And then kind of the third group is is people that I've worked with either in officiating or maybe in a press box working kind of you know behind the scenes in some of these sporting events and different jobs I've had. That's kind of the breakdown, if I'll say, about all the different guests we've had and uh, who I know a lot of the listeners are. I, I am able to, with our podcast, break down kind of our total plays and who listens to which episodes, which episodes get the most plays. And so I thought I'd share that with you guys a little bit today. Uh, Just nothing, not going over all 85 episodes or whatever it is, but just kind of giving you an idea. We've had roughly 5,200 total plays of of our 85 episodes. That's about 60, 61, we'll say, give or take. So that's kind of the average total plays we get from people. Uh, most episodes we put out there, some don't get that many and others are almost double that. So it just depends, but that's kind of the average. So that's why our estimated audience is about 60, 61 people. Uh, our top five plays uh, that we have had as far as people that, uh, you know, their total plays are the most of all the guests we've had on uh, the different episodes. Uh, rounding out the top five, Tracy McFate and Will Tarico each have 113 total plays of their episodes. Will Tarico is a real hundo prep graduate, uh, played with my uh, brother in his class. He's now a teacher and continues to coach over there at Rio. Tracy McFate actually went to Care Youth League, Boys Christian League, when he was a young kid, which is affiliated with um, Care Youth League and Real Hundo Prep. He was a football official and a guy that uh, had a big influence on me and my football officiating career. Uh, Landing Goodwill has 115. He's our third most played uh, episode. He is a college football player. Uh, played at Real Hondo Prep. Uh, he was a sophomore when I was a senior. One of the best football players Rio's ever had. He was a senior when my brother was a junior. So there's some connections there to the Hersema family. Todd Carson is our second most played episode. One of our earliest guests uh, for sure. But I think that speaks to the amount of people that like hearing about Todd. He has had a tremendous impact on a lot of different people. He has 125 total plays. And our most played episode was Bill Lee, 130 total plays. Bill was a Marine, still is a Marine, in the reserves. He's deployed to the Middle East a couple of different times. He was a football coach at Rio, also played there back in the day. So a great conversation with him, one of our favorite episodes that we've had. Uh, Just a great man, a great leader of men. Uh, just a really fun listening to him. I know his two brothers, Ken Lee and John Lee, a little jealous of his uh, huge number there. But, uh, you know, I think they can make a strong comeback, I, I believe, in the Lee family. And I think uh, Ken and John, you know, with a simple, a few simple tweets, maybe they can they can up those numbers as well. So friendly competition here on the Get Home Safe podcast, just giving you guys an idea of uh, what what is going on out there with our our episodes, with our guests that come on this program. And we're really open to talk about anything, guys. We are. We, we talk about current events, of course. Uh, there's not much sports going on, but that's changing. Looking forward to some baseball coming out on Thursday. Major League Baseball, the NBA will be back. The NHL will be back. Uh, and that's just in addition to everything else that's been going on with boxing and MMA, uh, NASCAR and golf, all these great sports that have already come back. And we're going to get our fill of sports here uh, in the uh, later summer months here. Hopefully it spills into the fall with football. We'll see what happens so we will talk a lot more sports as they start to get played here on the get home safe podcast but with our guests 
We're just talking about kind of the path they've taken after high school, through college, wherever their path has taken them in their career, families, uh, experiences. That's what we like to uh, catch up with our guests about and talk about. And we, uh, we take pride in reaching out to people that in some way have had an impact on our life and some somebody or some people that have stood out in one way or another to uh, come on the program and catch up as, a, as good friends do. And it's been something that just kind of fit during this quarantine where you really couldn't do much else besides uh, maybe call a friend or reach out to a friend on Zoom, whatever the case may be. It's been a tremendous opportunity to catch up with so many different people. And I can't believe we've had well over 85 episodes uh, here on the Get Home Safe podcast. I will say with our interview with Gavin Hansen today, it was done through Zoom. It was uh, much better sound quality. We're going to continue to do our episodes, uh, interviews that is through Zoom. And really the, the sound quality is so much better. I have a, a nice Mayano microphone here that I use for my individual uh recordings, but it's been difficult to kind of match that sound with the person we call. And and generally I use my phone, try to get a decent sound connection, but uh, you know, they, they, I don't know the, you could hear it a lot with Danny Castro's interview yesterday. The sound is just off. It's scratchy. It's bad. So we started doing interviews through zoom. Gavin was actually the very first one we did. And it was so great. Not only seeing a person face to face, Makes the conversation flow a lot better, but I can use my microphone. Their microphone's pretty good on Zoom, and it's just such a better sound quality. We've done a few Zoom interviews already here the past few days, and they're just uh, a thousand times better. One other feature that I'm really excited about is Ken Lee, who I mentioned uh, not too long ago. He uh, loaned me another microphone that I've I've put into use here that we'll be able to use for our individual one-on-one in-person interviews when the time comes for that. So uh, Bill Barnes, of course, is here every single Wednesday. He's our only weekly guest, retired police officer, retired college baseball umpire. I've been doing interviews with him for a long time now. I think we have over 15 or 16 episodes together. So Bill has a lot of plays too, but he's here every week. So we can't really put him at the top of our uh, total plays list. Bill averages right there with about 60, 65 total plays with his episodes. So that's, that, that's to uh, be, to be understood. Like I I get that. Uh, Bill is someone, he's an acquired taste. I love him. I love talking with him every Wednesday. Uh, He's exciting. He, he likes to get a lot of things off his chest. Uh, Him and I are pretty aligned, I guess, politically in our viewpoints on a lot of things. So you hear a little different side on Wednesdays from me and Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in as we kind of get a lot of things off our chest and uh, talk about kind of the hypocrisies that have going going around in the world and in current events, at least in our opinion. And we understand it's not everybody's cup of tea, but that that's what we do on Wednesdays here on the get home safe podcast. But all, all people are welcome. All viewpoints, all, uh, all walks of life. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to catch up with people that come from different backgrounds and you know, what, what a place to just have a conversation uh, amongst friends and be friends and, uh, you know, everyone can express how they feel about things and tell their story. And that's what I like doing here on the, on the podcast. And, I hope those who are new to the show can kind of get an understanding here from those past few minutes about kind of some of our goals, the things we do here on the Get Home Safe podcast. And for those of you who have been listeners the past few months, well, you you know just by listening that uh, who a lot of our uh, guests are and who a lot of our listeners are 
are as a result of some of the communication and such they've had with me through the podcast or outside of the podcast. So guys, that's kind of today's rant, we'll say this morning. It's more of an informative uh, outline as to how the podcast has developed, who our listeners are, and who a lot of the guests are. Uh, that's just the way things have played out. I'm looking forward to uh, new new things down the road, whether it be uh, new goals, new equipment, better sound quality. We're trying to improve, and I think we're heading in the right direction. I think especially with our audio, I am uh, really hoping that the sound is 100% better now that we are using microphones, we're able to use Zoom. I think it's a lot better. The interview with Gavin goes pretty smooth. There's a little scratchiness in his microphone here and there. That's just because I think he was outside and grabbing at it a little bit here and there. But overall, sound quality is much better. Uh, again, can't wait to have more interviews with more people uh, down the road. So anybody who's interested, that's probably what we'll be doing is Zoom. I, I think most people have learned how to use Zoom, including me, in 2020, just because of all this distancing and quarantine and, and all those things. So I think... It's a much better way of doing business, and I look forward to chatting with all the people that are looking forward to uh, coming on this program. And we got more interviews uh, set aside for this week and are already some planned for next week. So, guys, the show continues to grow, and just thank you for tuning in. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get back right to our interview with Mr. Gavin Hansen. Looking forward to you guys hearing this. We'll talk a little baseball, a little politics, a little bit of everything. Should be fun. Let's take a quick break, and we'll get right to that interview. Okay, on the program today, we are joined by Gavin Hansen. Gavin and I actually were uh, working in the minor leagues together, partners a little bit. We uh, were roommates at the Professional Baseball Umpire Corporation Evaluation Course. Uh, we met there having uh, never talked to each other before and were roommates for a couple weeks as we're trying to progress into minor league baseball at the time. He is from St. Paul, Minnesota. We came up in the minor leagues a couple years together and he uh, since has moved on as a lot of us have and his current job, he is the legislative director for the Minnesota House Republican Caucus. So we have a few uh, questions to ask him about some current events, uh, some things that have been going on. But uh, we're also going to go down memory lane a bit, little bit and talk about baseball, what it's like living in the Midwest, a bunch of different things. But let's get right to it. Gavin Hansen, welcome to the program, my friend. What's up, Maddie? How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well, man. You know, I am progressing here with my technology savviness, we'll say. You are the very first uh, podcast we are doing on Zoom. We're going to try to download this and have the audio file for everyone. So I'm hoping and praying that it all works out, man. Well, good, good deal. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I'm 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 happy. I saw you snap a picture about a podcast you were doing, and I texted you about it. And I went, and the first one I listened to was you and Chris Gonzalez, and I have not laughed that hard. I was listening to it in bed, and I'm telling you, Matt, I was like, on the second story that Chris told about uh, the baseball. I don't want to get into it, but uh, I was like shake laughing in bed. Like it was so funny. I texted Gonzo the next day, and just and connected with him a little bit because I was thinking about him anyway. So. It was fun. <laughs> Man, the, the, the memories uh, you talk about <laughs> over some of this stuff, it's just been a blast. It's been oh. so much fun to catch up with so many people. And yeah, that I know, man. And, and I don't get that conversation much because being in Minnesota, there's not a lot of minor league guys that have ever come from Minnesota that I know. And so I don't get that like just random conversation and I don't do anything with baseball much anymore. So I don't get that kind of those locker room talks or those car talks anymore, or whatever it might be, spring training talks. And so <laughs> 
hearing you guys talk about it was like like therapeutic for me it was awesome so <laughs> you know when you when you're in the minor leagues you're just kind of grinding every day's the same and you're kind of like man i don't know if i can do this every day yep. but now yep. you look back and you're like you just said it's like therapy like oh man yeah, yeah that was a good i know time. <laughs> i know and i don't want to jump ahead here but like you're right like like later in the minor leagues you know like single a even the you know to an extent short season a ball can be a little bit more of a grind but I was thinking earlier today, just because I knew I was coming on this, thinking about the Gulf Coast League. And I'm like, that is literally four guys in their 20s driving around Florida, you know, going from town. to Like, it's absurd. <laughs> like, Dude. Know, like, it was such, like, the be- some of the best memories come from that summer. And, you know, you'd work a hot game at noon in Florida, which is absurd in, in and of itself. And then you just have the rest of the day. And it was like some of my favorite <laughs> memories still, you know. <laughs> So. Well, well, we talked, we said we definitely talk a lot of baseball here as well as some uh, current events and get into the line of work that you're doing, which I'm very yeah. excited about, but uh, we'll kind of, kind of jump all over here. So for our listeners, you know, stay with us, bear with us. Gavin and I haven't seen each other in a few years. I had the opportunity to have lunch with him in, I think it was 2017 when I was in St. Paul, uh, which is where he is uh, living uh, these days. And uh, anyway, that was it. And then it was uh, kind of silence for a while and we're jumping back yeah. into it again, but it was great catching up with you then. And I'm looking forward to us catching up again today. Absolutely, bud. Well, Gavin, you always been passionate about politics, but you definitely had this itch, this bug to go to into this crazy world of professional umpiring. Those are two completely different things. Some would argue, uh, others would say, you know what, there's a correlation in both. So how did you get your, uh, where did this itch come from to go into the minor leagues? Why did you want to go to umpire school? Well, so I went to umpire school when I was 19 years old, um, 20 years old maybe, um, in 2008. And I, I graduated high school in 2006 and I was a big baseball player, loved baseball. Uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life as far as a career path yet. Um, and so I, my, my dad actually kind of talked me into going down there because he knew, I think he went to high school with Gary Cedarstrom uh, in Minot, North Dakota. And so I ended up, you know, kind of researching uh, some of the schools. And I don't know why, I was thinking about this, I don't know why I settled on Wendelset Umpire School, but that's the one I chose to go to. Um, I went in 2008. Um, and Chris Gonzalez said this in his episode too. He thought he was going to go down there and it was going to be just like the elite. I thought I was walking into like the elite umpires in the country coming because they all wanted to try and pursue a professional career. And as you know, that's not the full case down there. There's some really, really good umpires, obviously. Um, and so I was really intimidated. I had never umpired before. I, you know, I did one game, but no training or anything like that or a partner. Um, and so, yeah, I walked into uh, Wendelstead Umpire School in 2008, completely green. And, um, it was, it was, it was so much fun. It was a struggle too, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, and then that summer I didn't, I didn't get to selected to go to Peabuck that year. Um, I went to, I'm a two timer. Um, I did the North Woods league with Chris Gonzalez actually summer of 2008, uh, which was awesome. Uh, great experience. And then I went back in 09 and, and went to Peabuck. So, but. Interesting. Well, and, and we had talked about that as we kind of became friends and roommates and partners on the field and everything. Everybody has kind of their own journey and, and, and going to umpire school. I was always kind of a guy, like if I didn't get selected, I was just going to be like, okay, well, I took my shot. What, what kind of made you go back? Was it working that summer of the, that collegiate summer league where it kind of got yeah. you to be more hungry for it? I think, you know, I, I felt like I was doing okay my first year. I, I didn't have a lot of ex- expectations going into the end of uh, that five-week course. 
um, to go to Peabuck, but I was thought it was improving and they really blew me up um, uh, in my little evaluation at the end of the five week course. And I got a job at in the Northwoods League, which I think at the time was probably the premier collegiate wood bat summer league um, for, you know, kids at an umpire school. Um, went there, had a really good, really good summer. Um, and then, yeah, I just felt, felt like I needed to go back um, in 09 because I just thought it would be a, uh, I thought I'd do really well. And so, um, and luckily I did get uh, on the P-Buck. But, um, but yeah, I think just that summer in uh, the Northwoods League, I mean, my first real game outside of umpire school was in the Northwoods League. And I think one of the first curveballs I called for a strike literally bounced in the dirt. Like I had no idea what a strike zone was. And so like, and I, I remember the coach, the manager was in the dugger. He's like, Gavin, <laughs> like, you know, it's like one of my first pitches in baseball. And he's like, Gavin, come on. Like, and so anyway, but. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, uh, did, had you gone to college before getting into going to umpire school? No, I, I went a little bit. Um, I went to a community college up here in Minnesota because, again, I didn't know what I wanted to major in or anything like that. And so what's funny is baseball has been so much a part of my life and so has college because I was traveling every season. I was doing some sort of picking off college courses uh, online someplace. And what sucks is, you know, you go to some, some uh, minor league baseball towns and the hotels at that time in like 2010 or 11 didn't have wi-fi or didn't have great wi-fi depending <laughs> upon where you were you know and so it became a real challenge but yeah um it's kind of it was a piecemeal thing i never really had a full college experience like a lot of people did but i consider my um you know summers like the gulf coast league and spring trainings to be my college experience so <laughs> yeah i'm with you there i went to college first got graduated and then was like okay what do i do and then went into the umpire school, but I would say, I think the best advice for most people is that either go to college, get it out of the way and then jump into umpire school because uh, it, it's all out of the way. And then right about that 22 years old, 23, maybe that's a good age to get in. Uh, yeah. And if you're not take advantage of the downtime on the road and death like you did and, and uh, try to check off some, some education uh, yeah. class by class, you got the time for it. It's the perfect time to do yeah. it. Like you said. Yeah. I got it. I got in really young um, into baseball. And so you're, you know, you, I couldn't even drink my first year um, on the road. So I was 20 in the Northwoods league. And I think, you know, that was probably somewhat of a hindrance for me, like just the immaturity part of it. I'm sure you probably got some stories like that uh, with me. Um, <laughs> but you know, um, I just, you know, and kind of going back to umpire school too. Um, when I got there, you know, I don't know what it was like at Jimmy's, but at, at Harry's school, you had a lot of guys who maybe went there their second time or it was maybe their first time, but they had a lot of patches from leagues they worked and like hats. And it was very intimidating, you know, and I'm walking in and I just bought like base pants that day um, and like an umpire shirt, you know, uh, for the first time ever. And so, uh, yeah, but yeah, I was, I was pretty young and, and, uh, so it was, it was an interesting learning experience. Well, but I think that goes for any job you go into. If you're 20 years old without much experience in it, it is a sink or swim type of a yeah. scenario, right? So uh, yeah, it, you're learning as you go. And I, again, the younger you go, there's guys that have done it, but, oh, but totally. yeah, just a touch, just a little bit older, I think is, is good. Uh, and any, there's, there's all kinds of umpires. Now there's guys that get in the minor leagues in their late thirties now, which is crazy to me, but uh, you know, everyone's got their own path as we talked about. So you went to Harry's uh, Harry Wendell stat umpire school. I went to Jim Evans Academy of professional umpire school. And for those that don't know in general, we'll say at the time they took 25 students from each class and there was over a hundred students from each school 
uh, almost, I don't know, 120 something. But anyway, that 25 students come from each school. You were among the 25 from Harry Wendelstadt. I was among the 25 from Jim Evans. We had to go back to Florida for like this two and a half week uh, stretch uh, called the evaluation course. And that is where you and I met. We were paired up because of our last names, Hanson and Hersema, I'm assuming. Uh, and yeah. they, they always room me with someone from the other school and everyone thinks their school is the best and there's a friendly rivalry. But at the end of the day, we're all there to try to get a job at professional baseball. Yeah, that is, that is so true. I was thinking about that too. You know, there is this, always been this Jimmy's and Harry's rivalry. And um, you guys, again, going back to that Chris Gonzalez episode I listened to, uh, you guys were talking about how four of the guys were from Jimmy's, and I'm like, these sons of bitches. Like, you know, like, uh, four of the guys that are in the big leagues now and uh, were from Jimmy's. And, um, yeah, totally. I remember walking in vividly to that hotel we sit at for Peabuck, motel, hotel, whatever it is, and you were there. And, honestly, I was probably so grateful to have you as a roommate because you were such a squared away, like, you were so focused on Peabuck. And, you know, um, I think that was just good, you know. Uh, again, being kind of younger. Um, I needed somebody like that who was going to just be, you know, basically a good influence and in like that um, kind of that business mentality when they were down there, uh, which really kind of helped like flip that switch for me too. Um, but yeah, that was, I vividly remember meeting you and just thinking this guy is squared away. You had like, <laughs> I think it was uh, some you, Navy SEAL book you were reading at the time and you were just very motivated and I, I really appreciated that. So, <laughs> Man, you're taking me back, dude. It feels like yesterday, even though it's been 11 years. Uh, I know. Good stuff, man. Yeah, the yeah. same way though. I mean, you you don't know who you're going to get paired up with, and that's part of the journey in umpiring too. Is it is yeah. People getting along, and uh, when when we met, yeah, I remember it was like, okay, what's up, man? How's it going? You know, oh, you're from Minnesota, cool. And and it just, I don't know, we just clicked. You were a little younger than me, like you were saying, right? How old were you in '09? Yeah. Probably 21. 21. Okay, so, and I was yeah. 24. So okay. well, not a huge age difference, but well, then I was just really immature, probably. That's, that's all. <laughs> so no, but dude, those were good times. It was a short time, but uh, you know all the responsibility stuff you got to do. Getting to getting to the morning meetings on time, going to do your games, yeah. and just talking baseball too, because uh, it was weird. It's it's one of the most weird things you can explain to people. There's 50 guys there, give or take, and you're competing for a job. You're competing to be among the top of this list, but at the same time, it's a very, a lot of camaraderie. It's a lot yeah. of working together. So it's a very odd situation, but it's, it's exactly what you go through in the minor leagues as well. So it was a great experience that, that Coco evaluation course down there in Florida. Yeah, such, such a fun experience. Um, and you're so right up with the competition. I remember, you know, you know, people like, I don't know, like there wasn't like a vicious, uh, like a competitive nature amongst the guys. I think a lot of people had an attitude of like competing with themselves, which is really what you're doing. Right. Like, you know, but I don't ever remember people being rude to each other or anything like that. It was just, um, you know, uh, good, good camaraderie and just, you know, really focused on uh, improving yourself and, and trying to get noticed by the evaluators. So. Yeah. You know, everything counts, everything. The second you walk into the, that hotel, uh, the, the, the expo center, we ended up uh, working the games at uh, watching teammates or buddies work, you know, watching uh, friends uh, try while you were off. And, uh, you know, there's some guys that they went out and they partied and they did their oh, thing, yeah. but uh, you, and some of them, Hey, they were, they were great guys and got the job done and were able to show up every morning at 8am. But uh, I think in general, because it was such a short time, everyone there was just kind of focused on, all right, let's just get this over with and, yep. and let the cards, uh, let, let it, let's see how everything falls out, you know? Yeah. 
Yep. Totally. It was a business trip for sure. That's, that's kind of how I think of that, but very good. Yeah. Well, so. as you mentioned, uh, or as you talked about the interview with uh, Chris, you know, most, I would say on average out of the evaluation course, most years, there's about 20 job openings, give or take again, but our year was so, it was such a unique year. There just weren't a lot of retirements, not a lot of guys released. So wasn't there only like nine jobs? I, I want to say like, I want to say like nine ish around there. And I think, yeah, I think you're right, right around there. So, and, and so for guys to get, get selected, those were guys that got selected. Okay. We have a job for you in minor league baseball. The rest of the guys, me and you included, we ended up, uh, coastal plan league guys, right? We were said, Hey, you're I, yeah, I, I did not, I never made it to the coastal plains league. Um, and I don't, I was trying to think, cause I know you said you, uh, Riggs and Gonzo drove down together yeah. um, from the coastal plains league. So I'm trying to think of what that would have been like, or like, you know, I'm trying to think of like when we would have gotten the call about the same well, time or whatever. So. Well, all this was going on in March and basically the coastal plain league wasn't going to start till late May, and the minor league season wasn't going to start till June. So a lot of guys were told, probably like you, uh, hey, we have a spot for you in the Coastal Plain League. But then as the long season started in April and May, there was movement, and you probably never were even sent down there, right? Yeah, no, no, I was not sent down there. I remember, like, exactly where I was when I got my call out of going to the Gulf Coast League, and I was, like, ex exhilarated. It was awesome. It was an exhilarating feeling. So Tell me about that moment, because that's what you, we had all been striving for. So what was that oh, yeah, man. for you? It, I, and especially the Gulf Coast League, I think I remember seeing a former uh, uh, guy I went to school with my first year uh, in his Gulf Coast League uh, hat, you know, the GCL hat, and just being like, that's the, that's the league I want to go to my first year. Like, that's the one I want to go to. And I was at home doing some yard work with my dad. And um, what was the old uh, the secretary's name for uh, P-Buck? Um, oh, what was her name? She, Lillian. She called me and uh, told me what the deal was, and I was ecstatic. Like, I was so pumped. Um knowing I was going to go to Florida, uh, walking in there, seeing you, um, you know, that, cause I, you know, just been your roommate and, uh, and we were on the same crew for Gulf Coast League. Yes. Uh, and, and it was nice knowing you. Um, cause I don't think I'd known Blake felt, I think our first crew was Blake Felter, me, Riggs and you, right. And Gus and Curtis. Gus Curtis. We had five. That's right. Yes. Gus Curtis. Yeah. So I knew Gus from Umperi's. I didn't know Jeremy. I knew you and I didn't know Blake at all. And so um, that was really nice to have a couple guys you knew at least. Um, <laughs> and then that was just such a, that was just such a fun time. Oh, um, and then I think our first professional game was together at the Mets. You and me, Lucy. you and yeah. me, Gavin Hanson worked the plate in our first professional game, Port St. Right. Uh, with the Mets. And it was a noon start like all of them. And yeah. super hot. We were sweating and humid. <laughs> you remember me coming down the line and uh, when coming down the line in between innings and stuff that I said to you. No, I don't. You looked, you were getting water or something. And I knew you're a very patriotic guy and yeah. look at me. You're like sweating a lot. And you almost, you were looking for some like sympathy for me or something. And uh, <laughs> I looked you right in the eyes and I just said, Gavin, it's way hotter than it's way hotter than this in Iraq. And I, <laughs> and I walked away and you just had this look on your face. Like, Oh man, you just tore me down big time. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that, yeah, because at the time I, I don't think I cared because I, I remember like wearing that chest protector the first couple times in that heat and that humidity. It's like, what is going on? This is ridiculous, you know. <laughs> so like, this is so hot. Oh my goodness. Day games uh, in Florida in the summer. Oh my god! And then you go back, you nap for a little bit, and then you kind of rally and and you go hang out with the crew and just yeah, it was awesome. So 
just a great time. Five guys in uh, one hotel. We, we bounced around. We went for, there for a few weeks, then to another location for another few weeks and just circled back. But yeah, I mean, you were from Minnesota. Jeremy Riggs was from Virginia. Felter yep. was from uh, Missouri, I think. And yeah. then uh, Gus Curtis was from Kentucky. And then I'm the West Coast guy from California. Yeah. Just a, five guys from all over the place coming together to umpire games, dude. I know. That's what's so cool about it, man. Like, I literally, you know, you just develop friendships throughout with uh, guys all over the country. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. So. <laughs> oh, it's so unique. It's so wonderful. So, yeah, we worked our first professional game together. We worked a few different games uh, together that season. Just the yep. camaraderie. It, it was wonderful. Um, you know, we worked, I think we went our separate paths in our second season since you yeah. were kind of more Florida and I was more Arizona at that time, but, uh, we worked the Midwest league together in 2011. And Who was your partner in the Midwest league? My partner was Chris Tipton. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yes. And your partner happens to be in the big leagues today. Yeah. And, uh, Pat Holberg. Yeah. Pat Holberg. He was a, he, like, you know, I, I was really lucky to have really good partners um, in the Gulf Coast League. I had really great guys around me um, the entire time, even when the guys started to rotate out. Uh, then my second year in the Pioneer League, which is an incredible league, I had Ramon Hernandez, who was a phenomenal guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you, and when you have in that short season, you got to live in the same room with your partner, you know, which is not fun for three months. But Ramon <laughs> was a very patient guy, um, a really good guy to be partners with. And then, yeah, in my Midwest League season, uh, I was partners with Pat Holberg, who's now, I mean, he was a rocket ship, you know, he uh, in the big leagues in almost no time. So. Yeah. And again, for, you know, it, we joke, we say, oh, yeah, I was all Jim Evans guys from our year, but you know, we have something to be proud of in the sense that the class of 2009 uh, really has produced some amazing talent who is now in the big leagues. Typically you get one or two guys, maybe per class who reaches the big leagues. And we've had Pat yeah. Holberg, Gabe Morales, uh, Carlos Torres, uh, Ramon Roberto Ortiz. Sorry, Roberto Roberto. Ortiz. Poppy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Poppy yeah. was on our crew for yeah. a little while. Who is a riot. Like I, I think of like just <laughs> moments, like he borrowed my car. I, mean, I know we shouldn't share stories or whatever, but he borrowed my car. He said he had to go run errands one day on an off day. I didn't see it until like nine o'clock. It was like 8 a.m. He's like, hey, Poppy, can I go run some uh, some errands quick? And I'm like, yeah, sure, man, go ahead. Go do your thing. Because he was really homesick from Puerto Rico. Yeah. I didn't see my car until like nine o'clock that night. He went <laughs> shopping, like everything. So funny. But um, yeah, uh, Pat, though, he, you know, he's somebody like, and I have no stake in his success whatsoever, but I'm so proud of him being in the big leagues, you know, and spending that time with him in the Midwest League. Um when we we have such different personalities and so when we first started in midwest league together i never met him i really never heard of him um and it was kind of an interesting connection at first like you know he's a quiet guy um uh so it took a couple months you know a month or so to get to get uh going but we had an incident on a field on the field where um you know a situation and then we had a very uh terse conversation with each other afterwards in the locker room and after that moment, we were like, it was perfect. Like we talked perfectly in the car together. Like just, it's like the wall went down and we just got along really well. And then, yeah, he's, he's still one of my, clo you know, very close friend. So I went down this past season, a huge Gopher football fan. He's a huge Hawkeye fan, which is what we'd like argue about in the car with each other in the middle of Illinois. And uh, went down there this year and I uh, went to the game with him and stuff like that. So it's great. But Oh, fantastic. No, he, he's yeah. one of the best guys in baseball and the guy that oh, – yeah. 
uh, I had opportunity to hang out a, a lot with because of umpire school. Again, our last names, Holberg and Hersma, we were in the yeah. same cage group. Just a guy I could say a million and one uh, great things about, but uh, we don't have to waste too much time talking about uh, the legendary Pat Holberg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but a good time. And, and Gavin, it was that year that where it was your, your final season in the minor leagues. Yeah. I remember yeah. talking to you about it. And the quote I remember you saying, telling me was that, you know what, you have a hard time waiting around for a baseball game all day. And oh, yeah, man. I knew what you meant by that. But some people, they're kind of like, wait, wait a minute. Uh, but, but really think about it, uh, guys. Seven o'clock baseball game. Say, you, say you're an early riser and you're up before noon, which not of us, all of us were. <laughs> but uh, you, you're up and then you got, okay, you can work out. Okay, you can get lunch. Okay, then you're going to watch, what, five hours of television? And then you go work again. Like for some guys, so I totally get it. Yeah, some guys love that part of the job yeah. and other guys, they can't stand waiting around. So tell me about uh, your, your thoughts on that and what made you eventually just kind of walk away from baseball. So, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, I started my political career. This is going to kind of start where the story kind of blends into my current situation. But I started my political career working as a staffer in 2008. So after my Northwoods League season. And then um, so I had that like job. I left at the Minnesota Capitol to go pursue uh my 2011 season in the midwest in, in, in the midwest league but yeah man i mean it's it's one of those things where it's like early on in the season you just get on the road for the first time you got that energy and enthusiasm and then the grind starts to kick in of like you know you wake up you're in some small town in iowa clinton iowa which is not fun to be at and you know uh there's not a lot to do in this in the town you're there for four days in a row um you go to the gym you go find a place to eat maybe go try and find something to do in the city and, you know, then that's it, you know, and, and at some point, you know, you start to not like you get homesick, but you just miss like certain family things and things like that. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and one of the things, one of the reasons I quit too was there was several factors of why I decided to, they, they say you retire. And it's like, I was 24, like 23. I didn't retire. I quit. Um, you know, but, uh, one of the, one of the factors too was, you know, uh, you know, that helped me kind of, I, we went back, I went back home for the all-star uh, break. A lot of guys hung out in like the Iowa area, I think for the uh, all-star break or wherever it was. And I was just with my family and I was just doing a lot of reflection on the, on my career in baseball and what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I think that I was always kind of ranked um, after the season around 10, 11 or something like that around, give or take that, that area. And I think that year mid season, um, I was ranked like 20 something, like 20. I'm like, Oh shit. Like this is, you know, I'm like, this is single a, and I'm like, you know, I could, I could probably get the triple A. I could maybe get the, you know, probably for surely get the double A, likely get the triple A. I don't know. But how many guys made it to the big leagues and they were ranked 20, you know, like I honestly, I would love to know that kind of statistic. And I'm just like, I got to be real with myself. Like I don't want to be 32, 31 uh, in my career in triple A. And then I got to try and find another career, you know? So I had a lot of hard talks with myself and, uh, and, and a lot of hard decisions to make, but yeah, that daily grind of the hotel life is, is a struggle uh, for some, I know. Um, when I was in the pioneer league, it wasn't tough because I could go hike, like you're in the mountains of Montana and like, I could go hiking and go do cool stuff like that. Um, and then one of the first things that in October of when I went the season, I quit in 2011, I went and hung out with, uh, Brian Knight's dad at a twins game who I met and became really good friends with in the pioneer league. And, um, at that game, I was kind of talking about, uh, BK a little bit and, just about like what the life is like on the road in the big leagues. Cause I don't know what it is, but when you're in the minor leagues, I think you glamorize what that's going to be like, you know, 
And he's like, that's the exact same thing in the minor leagues. He just makes a lot more money. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good. You know, I don't need yeah. to be in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, <laughs> sitting in the hotel all day, whatever. So, uh, no, anyway, I'm, I'm happy with my decision. You know, I, you know, uh, minor leagues is something I would never, you know, professional baseball is something I would never want to trade uh, away because I've had such great memories from that. But, and things have worked out well for me. Um, and I was able to transition kind of very smoothly into a different job when I, when I left. Uh, which was just the right time. So, um, yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, everyone's got to make their decisions that's best for them. The the minor leagues. I tell all my friends, it's not the most glamorous of uh, of life by any means. It's it is what it is. It's it's waiting around for a game all day, and then after the yeah. game, you got to think about everything that just happened, and yeah. it's not easy to get over sometimes. Well, you're amped up on, you know, especially if you had like an injection that game or something, you know, you're kind of amped up on some energy and, um, you know, you go find some bar in the city, you know, the, the weight I gained in my, like my first season of baseball, like, and not even knowing it because I was like 20 years old and I'm like, I can go to Buffalo Wild Wings whenever I want or whatever <laughs> is ridiculous. But uh, yeah, you go to a bar after the game and hang out until one o'clock in the morning and then you sleep until noon, like you said. And so it's just whatever. But Yeah. Yeah. And then do it again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do it again tomorrow. It's Groundhog's Day every so, day. So yeah, that's yeah. crazy, man. Well, did you know while you were uh, in baseball there that last year, did you have something already uh, kind of in your mind that you were going to go into? Or did you kind of get out, kind of figure it out after that, and then eventually go into the, 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 the politics, political field, I should say, that you eventually uh, landed in? Yeah, well, so I had a job the January of 2011. I had a job at the Minnesota Capitol and I had left in May, March, whenever spring training is to go to spring training that year. Um, and I, and I was kind of going down there and I was going to expect to kind of like, I was just going to feel it out and see what it was like and see if I wanted to uh, give it a go. And I ended up doing it, you know, for half the season, but um, so I didn't necessarily have something lined up, but I had connections made. And then that following January, uh, they called me and offered me a full-time job. And that's kind of where my path has led me to, to this point. So so how does one uh, get involved in the political side of things? You said you had done some work already. I mean, is it just something as simple as sending in an application, doing volunteer work, kind of tell it, talk us through the, the steps that it took to kind of get where you ended up? I would say the best way to get involved in politics is to help on campaigns. And that's kind of what I did in 2008. And I met, met some really good people who helped connect me later on. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, worked on some campaigns and, you know, uh, 08 uh, time frame, and then in 2010, 11, uh, this person that I helped get elected um, uh, had me uh, apply for a position at the Minnesota House uh, and helped me get a job there. And um, then the rest is kind of history. Just kept working your way up and kind of doing. I mean, doing a different kind of grinding, but grinding my way, you know, to where I'm now. So, okay, gotcha. So, so it's, there are some similarities, I'd say, to. Uh, you know, maybe not all the time, but there are some similarities from the sense of uh, grinding away long days, maybe, or, or just kind of yeah. doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I've found is um, trying to explain, you know, when you when you have professional baseball umpire on your resume, <laughs> trying to explain that in an interview, like people have asked me for my strike three mechanic, um, people, you know, just that sort of thing. I'm like, Oh my God, you know, and, uh, just no one can relate to it at all. And that's why it's nice to talk to guys like you who can just, you know, it's so easy to talk to about baseball umpiring. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where actually 
I kind of started selling like this and the interpersonal communication skills side of it, um, uh, being able to handle the stress of people being angry with you or something. Um, I mean, is there's no better training for it than professional baseball umpire, you know, like you can, you can learn to deal with a lot of different types of people, uh, like, you know, different types of people in your crew. Uh, you know, you, you know, you can't just do your own thing all the time. So you got to kind of learn to work with people, um, and personalities, a wide variety of personalities. So that's, I think really has helped me, um, just from a professional standpoint, development standpoint anyway, but good stuff. So, so it's pretty much the same as you just, you just don't have ejections or have to put gear on. Down you yeah. You don't have ejections and which, yeah. And don't have to put gear on. By the way, I quit, I quit in 2011. I packed up my gear in Dayton, Ohio. Um, Pat asked for my throat guard. I, I, I rock a throat guard. And so he still wears my throat guard to this day, uh, which I love. Um, so if you see Pat working behind the plate, that's my Wilson throat guard. Um, but I put, I pack my stuff up in my Jimmy bag. I have it in my house. I have not unzipped it since 2011. So if you need umpire gear, hit me up. I got something for you. <laughs> oh, 11 years. I don't know. That's going to be tough, man. Oh, I mean, it was clean, but yeah. So. <laughs> I hear that story about a lot of guys, actually, just, you know, things uh, like, yeah, I'm done with this. Never again. And, well, and it's, and it's kind of crazy, like, how much I invested in that, that profession and that skill. But Minnesota just does not have the kind of baseball. Like I hear you guys talking about like your co collegiate um, pass you're taking now. And we just don't have that really in Minnesota, like that umpire system where it's good training and high quality umpires, that sort yeah. of thing. And so if there is more structure to it like that. I would probably consider doing it, but um, it's just not the same up here. So. No, it's, it's very different for sure. And I know uh, we used to look at, we all teased each other all the time. I used to, I got, I started the calling you Canadian for a while because you're way up in Northern, Northern, Northern yeah. part of America. And I knew it would uh, tick you off because you're, like I said, a very patriotic. I've, I've not heard that for a long time. So that's very funny. <laughs> Gavin, we don't need to hear your Canadian uh, talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so much fun, man! All in, all in good fun, of course. Uh, yeah, of but course. what a, a fun, a fun group of uh, group of guys, and just an amazing time we had uh, yeah. for sure in minor league baseball. But I definitely want to talk about uh, you, what you're currently doing because I think yeah. it's very relevant, and I know it's something you're passionate about. So, uh, when when 2011, you applied for a new uh, a new position. Is that kind of yeah. what you're doing now, or like? No, a, no. I worked my way up. I what I what I started doing then was kind of entry level position called legislative assistance. Um, you're basically this really glorified secretary um, for le Minnesota legislators. Um, and so I did that a couple a couple years, um, and then I just slowly worked my way up, working on campaigns. Um, we took the majority back here, um, and then so I got to advance that way. And now, when we lost the majority this past election cycle in 2018. Um, I was promoted to legislative director by the current leader of the caucus. Um, uh, and so, yeah, my job now is legislative director for the House Republican Caucus. And I do um, policy strategy, um, help our caucus develop their policy goals. Um, uh, I kind of, when you see on TV, in Minnesota at least, it's unique because there's a lot of heavy floor debate where legislators stand on the House floor and in the uh, Minnesota Capitol and debate each other. And there's a lot of strategy that goes into that, believe it or not. Um, and I'm in charge of that uh, and, and those sorts of things, offering up amendments, uh, getting amendments drafted, uh, that, that whole thing. And then I also do a lot of campaign work now. I, and instead of doing the grunt work, now I'm doing the kind of the running the campaigns. Um, and I've gotten myself up to that point. Um, uh, me, and a, me and a team, it's not just me running the campaigns, but it's, I love it. It's, it's uh, really hard um, to, you know, especially in this political environment right now. 
Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a great job. I love it. So. Well, it sounds like you're doing good things. And, uh, you know, uh, I think some people listening to this are probably thinking, wait a minute, there's, there's Republicans in Minnesota. <laughs> uh, cause, uh, we get that a lot out yeah. here as well as, uh, you know, California and everything. So, uh, you know, we, we're not here to bash any side or whatever. We're just here to yeah. have a conversation and, uh, yeah. you know, the state of Minnesota is, ex- is extremely blue. It's a very, uh, the state, I would say, I would throw back and say the state is purple, purplish. The cities okay. in the metro area that are like right around Minneapolis, St. Paul are very blue, extremely blue. Um, and that's kind of growing a little bit, unfortunately. But the outstate, the greater Minnesota, we call it here, um, area is, is quite red. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Minnesota is a very unique political state. Um, we don't need to get into that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I would say I would say it's a it's a purple state. It can it, it ebbs and flows. Um, uh, depending upon which year it is and national trends and things like that. So, so we, as, with you saying that in, in some of the, uh, the, not the rural areas of some of the, the, in the city areas, you kind of know they're going to go the direction of, of blue votes, right? So do, does that mean you guys don't invest as much time there or do you yeah. kinda try to tackle the middle of the road places? We, we go for a lot of the suburban areas that are still kind of, you know, more uh, their toss up areas. Um, we don't even, play around in in Minneapolis you know like a Democrat can go against a dead corpse and win by 85 percent you know um 90 percent of the vote and so we don't even try and campaign in those areas uh we we really focus on certain greater Minnesota areas and and the suburbs around Minneapolis St. Paul so interesting and and uh, how long uh, how do I phrase this how long has kind of Minneapolis and St. Paul kind of been that way been more of a uh, of a blue city i'll, I'll say uh, ex- especially how how big it is really because it's very similar to out here we have pockets of like maybe some some red cities or counties but <laughs> usually in the big city san francisco la that uh you know it, they're going to be dem- democrat for sure so yeah how long has it kind of been that way i think so obviously with like the turmoil you probably heard about in minneapolis um i think i heard the statistic or the the fact that the last republican mayor of minneapolis was in the 60s i want to say and so it's been pretty blue for quite a while and then there's been like some pockets in saint paul that have been kind of more republican but that has been snuffed out a long time ago i'm probably in the 80s um around there so Interesting. Well, well, uh, Gavin, your your city, your area, St. Paul and Minneapolis are uh, twin cities, of course. Uh, yeah. It was kind of the uh, the epicenter, really, of some pretty uh, crazy times we, we had here in the entire country. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it, it involved uh, you know the, the death of somebody there in Minneapolis, and uh, you kind of knew, even though the police officers were arrested, that there would be rioting. There would be a lot of uh, crazy things going on around the country as a result. So what can you tell me about, I don't know, that day, that week, uh, as you guys kind of got the news and saw what happened and kind of knowing, oh, this isn't going to be good. Yeah. You know, I think, well, the day, you know, nothing, nothing really um, happened that day or the day after. I think it happened on, uh, what was that, Memorial Day? Um, Around there anyway. Uh, at the very beginning of summer, but it didn't really start happening until Thursday, I think, of that week. So it happened on like a Monday or Tuesday. There were some peaceful protests and some gatherings on Wednesday, um, earlier in the week at least, and then Thursday and Friday. I can't remember what necessarily set it off, but no one was anticipating that. I mean, it was complete and utter destruction of, of this area in Minneapolis and 
parts of St. Paul, I, you know, very close to where I live. Um, there's some buildings that were burned down, broken into just complete chaos. Um, but this area, it's called Lake Street in Minneapolis was completely destroyed. I mean, it looks like a war zone completely. And no, no one expected that. And no one expected that. And, and um, so it was, it was really scary, quite honestly, you know, like it's one of those things, like if you were driving at night, they had a curfew, uh, I think at eight o'clock most nights, uh, I think starting on the weekend. Um, you know, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I, you know, and this is going to get more political, but I think there was just a complete lack of leadership um, from the top down um, from the governor to the mayors of uh, Minneapolis. But you could see the night, like this, the skyline glowing from where I am um, in Minneapolis because the fires are so massive. It was crazy. Uh, and then the next morning I'd be driving my son to daycare and um, uh, the smoke would be smoldering from South Minneapolis. It was crazy. So um, the, I think the, to the extent of the damage and the complete chaos in the city was startling. Uh, I don't know if people know this, but they had to uh, mobilize the National Guard. Um, I think it finally happened Saturday or Sunday night. Um, and they got down there in, in the number of probably, you know, upper 800s, 900s to 1,000 uh, to really just try and control the people. And it was, it was uh, you know, I made, um, you know, my son and family go down to uh, uh, a suburb and just stay overnight down there for a night because, you know, you just didn't know what was going to happen. So mm-hmm. no, it was um, a scary time, man. And, and yeah. us looking from a distance, seeing it all erupt, uh, letting, letting the police station burn to the ground uh, for me was just completely unacceptable, but yeah. uh, you know, you know, and all the destruction and I, I understand people were mad. And for me, the issues were when it were, when it went from protest to rioting, which I don't, I don't care. It's not okay. So uh, I do agree. There was some issues with leadership. Uh, I yeah. think anyone looking at that subjectively, I would hope would be able to identify that. So I, I'm just glad uh, you, you're one of the only people I knew from that area, but I'm glad that, you know, everything cooled down a little and that, you know, you and your family and, and maybe some people, you know, weren't harmed necessarily. Were you at, were you at the Capitol when everything was kind of happening? Um, no, we, so it kind of happened over a weekend. And so, but I was up, you know, every night, I didn't have to do anything necessarily directly for work. Um, but we were definitely watching what was going on and communicating as a kind of a team. Um, my leadership team was kind of following it and, uh, we were just keeping our eyes on it. Uh, because it's, it's since then it's, it's really impacted we're, you know, we've been because of COVID-19, we're going into these special sessions every month and, um, we're really impacted now because, uh, the, the representatives who represent those areas really want to try and, uh, they're trying to drive some police, uh, law, you know, law enforcement changes. Um, that are pretty drastic. You, you hear the defund the police stuff uh, thrown around a little bit. Um, they're trying to ref, you know, get some money to those areas, those parts of the community that were absolutely destroyed. Um, and there's a, it's a very hot button issue because some people view that they shouldn't get money because they were allowed to burn down. There was no one who stepped in to help them. And, and, um, and so it's, it's a very hot topic issue right now. And it's very divisive. So, and just what, what, how, if, how can you fix, you know, like and this is so tacky to relate, um, you know, bad cops back to bad umpires. But like, you know, when, when there's a bad umpire you're working with, it's like, damn it. You know, like you don't want to work with that guy either, you know, whatever. And it's like, what can you do to fix, how can you fix all of umpiring because of a couple bad umpires or whatever there might be. And it's like, and this is, it's probably a terrible analogy. Sorry, Matt. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, to, with law enforcement though, it's like, you know, there's some bad cops out there just like in any profession. And it's like, they're trying to do drastic measures, take drastic measures. Um, uh, that could, you know, negatively impact all the law enforcement officers. So, 
So Gavin, maybe you can speak to this. Um, the past couple of years being in, in politics and being kind of there, hasn't, hasn't the Minnesota police department, uh, haven't, or Minneapolis police department, haven't they, uh, hasn't the problems stemmed from a lack of funding, maybe a lack of training, a lack of leadership from some of the politicians there? Well, in Minneapolis, I don't want to just necessarily tie it. Minneapolis does have a history of some law enforcement issues. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and especially recently. So I don't necessarily want to tie it to lack of funding, but they do have a uh, lack of almost zero support from their local, um, the city council, especially the mayor, um, you know, the, just those sorts of things. We don't need to get into the details probably. I don't want to bore your uh, listening <laughs> audience, but, uh, but yeah, there's just not a lot of support, you know, um, from the top down there in the city and, and they, and the police officers are saying it uh, right now, you know, they're, they're coming out too saying like, there's just, this is ridiculous. These are, you, you can't work in these conditions really, you know, so. Well, Gavin, I do think that it always, st always stems down, stems from leadership, poor leadership, uh, you know, generally creates bad things and good leadership hopefully creates good things. So uh, I, I think the police have kind of been an afterthought from an outsider looking at, at that city, that state uh, in that area anyway. And so, I mean, I just don't see how some politicians uh, haven't really cared much about the police. And then all of a sudden they're just going to wave their finger at how bad they are when it's like, wait a minute, you guys have been not really uh, leading the way in anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's one thing you, I got to try and remember is people have completely different perspectives, you know, uh, and especially when it comes to politics yeah. um, and they truly believe something completely different than I do. And it doesn't necessarily make it wrong. But it's something that I sometimes have a really hard time wrapping my, my mind around that, you know, um, and kind of like what you were saying, like, you know, I did the same, these, some of these same people have been criticizing and wanting to, you know, take money away, defund the police departments uh, in Minneapolis and, and shift, you know, the, the funds they do get to social programs, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, at some point it's going to come back to bite you. You know, there is a problem. There's so much crime in Minneapolis because they keep attacking their cops. The city does. Um, they keep attacking their cops uh, from a funding perspective, um, from po local policies they do, um, they enact. Um, they, they just really handcuff their, their cops, you know. And so at some point, it's going to come back to bite them, and it and it's kind of has been. So, Well, you absolutely need law and order in every society. And, and yeah, some people feel that extreme uh, measures have been taken and there's uh, excessive force and this and that uh, we're not going to sit here and i don't think anyone any in the entire country has said the, the the use of force that was thrown at george floyd was appropriate it absolutely was not i mean it, now is that is that uh the exception does that happen very often I, I i haven't seen much evidence of that i'm sure there's some police brutality i i'm there's it's a big country we live in right but i i do and i always feel that the police, even though there are some some uh, some bad guys out there, bad cops will say. Uh, I hope hopefully there's not a ton of them. But I think in general, uh, again, you talk about opinions. Uh, I think in general the police do a lot more good than bad. And and like you said, some people don't see it that way. But but is that a reason to go burn down an entire city? I sure don't yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to see what happened in Minneapolis um, is is really tough. Uh, I mean, if you drive through there, it's you know. I, I just don't, this kind of comes back to, you know, people's different perspectives. I just don't see a reason or the rationale of doing that, you know, and I think a lot of people agree with that. Um, even the people who live over there, especially, but it's just, I don't see a situation where that's okay, you know, um, or where that's going to help advance your cause. 
in your in your situation. So well, un- unfortunately, with so many of the actions that that uh, the cause is almost it's almost forgotten. You know, people start rioting and stealing things. It's like, wait a minute, how is this to honor someone's someone's uh, you know let like how, how is this to honor somebody? When, when, yeah. when this is happening. So uh, I, I think more and more people have gotten into verbal <laughs> fights over all this stuff in 2020. Oh it's just been like the craziest year I can ever remember. Or it feels like the twilight zone, dude. Yeah. The 2020 has been ridiculous, you know, selfishly. I'm just hoping there's college football in the fall, but uh, I don't even think, you know, I'm not even certain that's going to happen, but yeah, it's been ridiculous. You know, you got oh. COVID-19 and then, the summer is just about to start, and then this awful thing happens with uh, George Floyd, and then the city of Minneapolis goes into just chaos. It's been nonstop, you know? Yeah, so. I, I know. It's crazy. And, and I hope there's college football, too. I, I would love to see, you know, another Big Big Ten champion come out here and lose to a Pac-12 school in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> That's always fun on New Year's Day, Gavin. Always a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? So the Gophers were – I was thinking like the Gophers had a really good season this last year. And I'm like, do I try and go to the Rose bowl? And then you look at the tickets and I'm like, I am not going to the Rose bowl. <laughs> like The tickets were so expensive. So, and it's like, you know, it's a once in a lifetime trip, but it is so ridiculous. I'm like, there's no, come on, I'll tell you what, ridiculous. the Gophers had a heck of a season last year. I think yeah, they did. PJ Flex a real deal. And yeah. uh, you know, all conferences are tough. Big 10's got some juggernauts at the top and I'm, I was rooting for him again. Cause I know you, uh, I'll tell you right now, though, if the Gophers are ever out in Pasadena, brother, uh, San Diego, wherever you're staying, you're staying here at the uh, at the Hersma <laughs> compound. Don't worry about hotels and such. I love it. We got uh, plenty I'll, of room. I, you live like in the L.A. area still? I moved out east a little bit. I'm I'm in uh, I'm in Riverside County now, but I'm okay. I'm not far uh, from from L.A. from L.A. County right. anyway. Okay. Um, okay. You know, Rose Bowl is I don't know forty miles from here, maybe or something. Okay, nice, nice. Well, yeah, and, and you know that's got that's kind of always made me laugh too, is because you were you know you're you're more of a conservative guy, and and you kind of said Minnesota's a, a pretty blue state uh, at the beginning there, and I'm like, buddy, you're from California, what is going on? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, California, so. get it right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is this is as blue as they get here. It's so blue, yeah. it's turning into the ocean basically. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty it's, crazy. It's uh, here on the left coast, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. So yeah, you were probably like, "Who's this guy uh, coming out from California?" <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Gophers so. in the Rose Bowl holiday. Get, I'm saying, you brother, come stay out here. We'll save you some money. Yeah, we were we were out there in San Diego a couple of years ago. Um, oh, okay. So I, I should have done that. But must have lost my number. No, no, I didn't go. The Gophers were the, <laughs> oh, Gophers the Gophers were out in San Diego. Yeah, oh, I didn't, I didn't oh, make okay. out there. Yeah, trust me. If I ever come to LA, I'll, I'll for sure shoot you a text. Yeah, I, where I'm living now is actually not. Too, I'm like a eh, just under 100 miles from San Diego, and uh, LA downtown LA is not that far either. So, uh, nice. but yeah, man, we got out. Hey, are you, are you still umpiring? So I umpired this year. I was working. We worked four or five weekends, and then all of a sudden, uh, it all finished up. So where I'm at right now is there's so much uncertainty with baseball. Uh, even though it's, you know, whatever, eight months away or something. And so I, I don't know, I'm at where I'm at is I'm going to start looking other directions, looking for more stability and uh, yeah. in a career. And if something lands, I'm not going to be free, afraid to take it and probably walk away from umpiring, but no decision made yet. Yeah. We'll just wait until this podcast starts making some money, uh, monetizing ads and stuff <laughs> like that. You'll be good to go. Um, I was talking about that today though, with just COVID-19 and, you know, the minor league season getting canceled. Those guys went to umpire school in January, no COVID. And then, 
you know, uh, P-Buck, I would assume, got canceled because that was about the time things got really bad. I, you know, maybe they went down there. I don't know. But then the season's canceled. So there's going to be, like, this backlog of guys that either, A, need to go to P-Buck or, you know, because um, I'm assuming they would probably say, hey, just come back next year to P-Buck or something like that. And then you got that graduating class from the – I don't know how many schools there are now anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, coming – supposed to go to P-Buck next year. And it's like, what are they going to do? Like, that's crazy, man. You know, like how many, how many careers guys just starting their career? Like, so just feel for them, you know, that sucks. So. Oh man. And, and not just umpiring, but everybody, I mean, the, the, Oh, totally. Yeah. College players, the high school players, all these different people that are affected by this. And it's so sad, man. And for umpires, baseball umpires, just like anything else, you have a, 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 your, your career is based off of kind of your, your age. That has something to do with it. Yeah. So, so yeah. losing. So a, finite- yeah it's a finite amount of time. And I'm, and just from my perspective, it's like, if I, you know, graduated from umpire school, they sent me to P-Buck, it got canceled. They'll say, come back next year. But then baseball is essentially canceled. It's like, I'm going to go back to P-Buck with a year of doing nothing. You know, do I go to umpire school a third year or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd be, a, I don't know what, the, I don't know what they're going to do. That'd be interesting. So. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows if, if they'll even have a class or, or what the deal is, it could be a yeah. log jam. I mean, what's unfortunate, Gavin, is the more and more I hear in the news about some of these uh, minor league baseball cities is, you know, minor league baseball is going to shrink significantly here in the upcoming years. You may be, you may be having just like two or three teams per organization uh, yeah. here in the near future. So that affects umpiring as well. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, major league baseball was having that dispute with minor league, you know, that contractual dispute with, uh, with minor league baseball and, um getting rid of some of those cities that have been in these leagues forever. And it's like, Holy smokes, man, those are players that are going to get, you know, you know, be out um, umpires that are going to be out and the, the rosters just be a lot smaller. So mm-hmm. it affects so. everyone. And some of those cities uh, is such a big deal for their local economy too. You've been through those. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, it, it kind of generates the whole, whole town's uh, money yeah. and stuff. Yep. Totally. You know, you go to some of those towns where they've got those really nice stadiums, you know, you drive in, it's like, whoa, this is Fort Wayne, Indiana, you know, it's oh, like, holy yeah. smokes. And then you go to like Beloit or Clinton and you're like, what is going like there's it's crickets in the stadium, you know? Um, you know what I always appreciated about minors was you could go to a dump of a stadium with no one there watching you, but they just had the right clubby and oh. the, he just put it enough effort into that locker room. And it's like, Clinton is one example. Yeah. The stadium sucked. The town sucked. But the guy had recliners in there for you. Like, he just hooked you up. And, like, those clubbies, man, in minor league baseball are gold if they're good. They're working so, hard. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. No, but, it's fantastic. I, I agree. I mean, they make your life better. And so you <laughs> totally. take care of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are, those are the memories, I think, of, like, you know, having the, the, the food or the, the cold drinks and stuff ready. Oh, for yeah, man. You know, we were in, you know, in that Midwest League summer, we were in South Bend and we had a, it was a getaway. So we were going to leave right from the stadium and drive, long distance drive right after the game, through the night, whatever. Pat and I had a crazy game and we had three ejections within five seconds of each other. And when we we got booed off the field and and at South Bend, you exited old school right up behind home plate and um, people were throwing their beer cups at us, whatever. We get in there, and these, and these clubbies before the game are like, oh, you guys are hitting the road. We'll give you guys, like, a six-pack of Gatorade, like, some waters, some fresh food, like, whatever. We get in there. There's two hot dogs. They're cold as ice and two bottles of water. 
and we're like okay guys like <laughs> so we so we, we pat pat was very spiteful and i loved it, that side of him he's like forget this like we loaded up and just stopped and ate someplace and then took off we were going long distance i can't remember where but it was very funny so <laughs> message received clubbies thanks yeah, guys thanks yeah. for being pros yeah. way to so go it goes both the clubbies go both ways for sure oh yeah for sure and you know the guys but, that are real and the guys that are fake too i mean oh yeah yeah it makes, it makes sense but yeah the, the minor league there's nothing like the minor leagues there just isn't man there's no way to explain it it's crazy yeah. time well, well gavin what has life been like for you with covid19 here this lockdown here in the past few months has it affected your opportunity to to go work have you worked more from home what's kind of it all been like for you and your family so the minnesota legislature started in january and we were full go everyone was there in person you know thousands of people coming to the legislature every day to lobby us to advocate for something um and then i think really around March is when it got really serious. Um, and then they did a kind of work from home policy somewhere between mid March or something like that. And then everyone had to go work from home and we changed the rules in the Minnesota legislature for the first time ever. Um, legislators didn't have to be in St. Paul to vote. They could be at home using zoom, much like us, what we're doing right now. Um, and they could vote from home, which has been huge. And so, um, it's been, it's been, I told you this before we started, I've, this is my fourth Zoom call today, and that's kind of light, actually. Um, you know, you do numerous Zoom calls, you know, negotiations. Um, I think one of the things uh, that has been difficult has been the, you know, face, the lack of face-to-face -face communication in a lot of situations has been tough. Um, because oftentimes, you know, when, when you'll see your staff or your friends at work uh, in a normal situation, um, you can go and BS with them too, and then ask them for some uh, work product. But now you really don't get to see your friends or your coworkers. And so when you're typically talking to them, uh, it's when you're asking for something. And I think that kind of grates on some people sometimes, you know, and so it's, it's really affected that communication style and um, just how you meet and negotiate. Everything has been just totally thrown on its head kind of a little bit like that uh, just from a legislative standpoint, working in the Minnesota house. Um, personally uh, early on, Minnesota did a stay at home order where you couldn't really leave at all. And uh, you could go to basically a grocery store and that's about it. <clears throat> so it was really, you know, bunkered down for a couple of weeks, you know, you know, probably a full month. And then things started slowly opening up and then things kind of really started to open up here more recently. And then, you know, now cases are going up, but uh, people seem to be staying out of the hospital, it looks like. So that's good. But it's been a very, it's a whirlwind, man. It's a, I mean, it's wild. I remember, you know, watching kind of the pandemic starting in China and then, you know, every day it was like reports of it going to a new country. And I'm like, this is absolutely crazy. Like because of most likely airline travel, you can watch a pandemic in real time spreading across the globe. Like, and then it got into these countries and just started to saturate. And, you know, uh, Italy was really bad in some of these other countries, but it's, it's absolutely wild what's, what's happened. Um, so, and now it's dividing people, you know, it, it and initially, I think people were kind of coming together and uh, all for each other and, you know, like take care of each other, like, you know, call your friends, call your family, do Zoom, Zoom meetings, happy hours with your friends. Uh, whatever and now people are like anti-mask or pro-mask they're you know they're like let me let me out I want to go to a, a music festival and I don't care what the governor says it's it's been it's just crazy how everything can be politicized and is a partisan topic now you know it you know breaking news when Donald Trump wears a mask for the first time and it's just it's wild to me so yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I'm like, really, is this is this newsworthy? Is this newsworthy? What about this? It's like you see all these things, you're like, <coughs> how is this a topic right now? And it's yeah. like, it, I think it's stirred up so much to have a narrative, have an agenda, and everyone's got their opinion, of course, as we've discussed. 
And oh, yeah. man, I don't, I don't know anymore. Like, I'm just like, okay, I know there's something out there. I know, you know, obviously uh, there's plenty of data to, to show and everything, but it's like some people have this selective uh, uh, looking at of data. They're like, oh yeah, yeah well, yeah. this is good here and not good here. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, okay, whatever, whatever we got to do. I mean, we got to get back to how we were eventually. I mean, we can't live like this forever. I think some yeah. people are just willing to live like this longer than, than others are. Yeah, it's just a politics right now. It's just an absolute loony bin, man. Both, I mean, both sides are guilty of it. Just, you know, very emotional, um, you know, very, uh, the cancel culture, everything like that. It's just, I'm like, it's exhausting. The, the, the outrage people constantly have is exhausting to me. It's like, how are you constantly mad? You know, yeah, you know, it's, you come from a middle-class family, you went to college, like, how are you so outraged right now? Like, it's just, it's crazy to me, so. Oh, no, but, you're 100% on that. Some of the people with this yeah. fake outrage, it's like, what, what is your, like, oh, virtue is signaling and outrage. It's, oh, it's my wild, goodness, so. virtue signaling. I, I, yeah. I, I can't stand it, Gavin. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It's, uh, yeah. it's nonstop. And, uh, you know, that's, it's a big problem for sure. Uh, well, you know, you've had, you got out of baseball in 11, uh, you know, there was a, and there's elections every two years. We know that, but there was a, you know, election in 2012, election in 2016, and there's one upcoming here. So do, do politics and, and kind of your line of work really, does it really spike up and spice up I'll say during kind of the presidential elections versus some of the midterms? Um, well, in Minnesota house, you have an election every two years. And so kind of regardless, it, it changes who comes out and votes in the election, but you're still equally busy for that election cycle but it just changes kind of how, who you target and those sorts of things. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's been, you know, we keep going into these special sessions because of COVID and uh, to keep extending our governor's uh, peacetime emergency order. Um, and, you know, we're also still trying to campaign, you know, we're halfway through a campaign cycle and I got to, you know, I'm, I'm doing legislative calls and I'm also then punching out of the clock and then uh, going and do campaign calls. And so, yeah, it gets really, really busy. Um, uh, it's going to be an interesting campaign year here in Minnesota because you know, you always hear the phrase, uh, you know, elections are local or campaigns are local. You know, it's people, you know, you know, whatever the issues are local. Uh, but really with Trump, especially too, it's just, it feels so nationalized, right? Um, mm -hmm. People kind of have entrenched themselves in, in uh, you know, what we're trying to do in Minnesota is if you don't like Trump, hopefully you split from, you know, you don't vote for Trump, fine, but vote for Republicans down ballot, um, uh, which is going to be tough, but we'll see what happens. So. <laughs> you have a tall task ahead of you, man. Let me tell you, living yeah. in that state. And uh, I would say the same thing if you're doing the same line of work here in California. It's uh, very similar, unfortunately. And uh, man, it's crazy stuff. I don't know how you do it every day, Gavin. Be around that absolute uh, na nasty negativity uh, of politics every day. You say you love it, but man, it's got to wear on well, you sometimes. Oh, it absolutely wears on you. Um, but you know, you kind of said you wanted to talk a little politics. I'm like, well, I hope you're not looking for anything insightful because it's not <laughs> like I, I don't have the pleasure. I don't, you know, politics for me is kind of like a pleasure thing. Like I'd, I'd, I'd read about it and think about like ideologies and those sorts of things. Now it's become like, like a daily grind of, I just need to get X, Y, and Z done, you know, and I need to accomplish these tasks, you know, those sorts of things. So I don't have the luxury necessarily to sit back and have this, you know, idealistic, you know, political philosophy at the moment. So, um, so yeah, I was just like, well, I hope you're not looking for anything insightful. Hey, I don't, man. Hey, it's, I, don't, it's, I don't get the, you know, I, I at the end of the day, I, the last thing I want to do is read a political story from in the New York Times or in, you know, the Wall, Wall Street Journal. It's like, oh, I just want to shut my brain down and watch TikTok or something, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, oh <my> <laughs> wow. buddy, that's where it's at. You're <laughs> 
you are still Gavin Hanson. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, well, a couple things here to kind of wrap things up, but yeah. like you mentioned, you know, you're the legislative director for the Minnesota House Republican Caucus. So for those yeah. who don't know, kind of, if you can, just, just give us an idea. People hear the word caucus sometimes. People hear all these different political terms and they're like, well, what does that mean? And you've, you've told us a little bit, but if you can sum it up kind of, uh, sum it up in, in, a, in a couple sentences really, as far as uh, what your, the goal of, uh, what the, you know, the whole purpose of the caucus and, and kind of how they operate really, if, if you sure. kind of understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I think I do. So really um, in my, in the way I use the word caucus, that's what it's called, but it's, it's kind of the Republican house Republican team. Think about it as a team, right? It's, we currently have 55 members in our caucus, um, you know, and, and it's just kind of the brand of our team. And, um, and, you know, we have our own staff and everything like that. And, and our goal is to try and take back the majority um, in the Minnesota House, and so um, uh, caucus, caucus is a word too that's um, thrown around. You'll hear people like, "We need to go to caucus" or something like that. It's typically yeah. just a meeting, uh, political meeting. Um, uh, and so, uh, but yeah, in in the sense I typically use it, it's referring to our our Republic, House Republican team, uh, because then you too in Minnesota, it's, it's a bicameral legislature, and so um, there's a Senate, and they're the Senate Republican Caucus. So, gotcha, gotcha. So, well. Yeah. I, I, again, you're doing, uh, you're doing some tough work over there in a very tough environment and just kind of in your, your closing thoughts here, what are some kind of goals you have for yourself in politics? Or do you think you'll kind of move on to something else eventually? What do you, where do you see kind of down the road in, in the next few years for yourself? You know, I don't, you know, it's um, one thing I've always, you know, kind of going back to why I got into baseball, I've always struggled with like coming up with a five-year career plan, you know, like, yeah. When it came to college, it's like, I don't know what I want to get a major in, you know, it's, um, you know, and when I kind of ended baseball, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do next. And so right now it's, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I know it's not going to be long-term because elections are so volatile. Um, and so, uh, you know, maybe work in the government relations field. Uh, some people call that lobbying, um, you know, maybe something else too. So, uh, it, but I'll likely stay in politics. I, I put a lot of time and effort into learning how to become a professional baseball umpire. And then I literally threw it all in the garbage <laughs> and never umpired again. I don't think I want to make the same mistake with, uh, with what I'm doing now. You know, I, I know a lot of people, I've met a lot of good people. I know how it works in Minnesota, how the um, policy is developed and those sorts of things. So I'm 32 now as well. And so I don't think I'm going to be looking to uh, do a complete career change. So likely something in politics, uh, what exactly I'm not hundred percent sure. So Awesome you know, stuff, but my, my, my closing thought is though, oh, that I'm sitting here kind of thinking about how this interview went and, and, and it was fun in the, in the podcast. It was just so fun to talk to you, but I'm thinking again, back to the podcast you do with Chris Gonzalez and that dude is always like so smooth. And it was so, he was a really good interview and that was a, just a really good interview. And I'm like, I did not match Gonzo's. Uh, oh, stop. Or <laughs> stop giving him so, credit. We don't, no, I don't, I don't live, want to live in a world where he continues to get credit. No, no, sir. I, I know. I know that sucks, but he is a cool, <laughs> he is a cool customer, man. No, I think, so. and honestly, you're a guy that introduced me to Chris Gonzalez and then him and I became pretty good friends because we're both from California uh, and we became partners in the California league. Uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun catching up with him. I'm really glad you enjoyed yeah. that interview. Have you listened to any yeah. other episodes here? On I the started, um, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank now and I don't want to say it out loud. Yeah. I listened to another one. I got halfway through. Um, but Aaron then I, Reynolds it was, maybe? yes, that one. Sorry. Cause he was, I was partners with him in the Gulf Coast League too. Yeah. And, um, I, I almost kept saying Aaron Roberts and I, I know Aaron Reynolds, but, um, I, another partner I had in baseball, 
uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I started listening to that one, but then it just got too late and I shut her down. So I've been, I've been scrolling through, but the guys I know, I definitely, I want to listen to the Jeff Andrews one. I haven't seen him since uh, I think P buck or umpire school. I can't remember. Um, so, uh, yeah, I want to listen to that one. And if you have any other guys on too, I definitely want to try and catch those. Oh so. man, for sure. Well, Gavin, uh, yeah, I'll try to get more and more minor league guys out here. Just got to find time, uh, you know, especially find time when they're available. And, uh, you know, you're a unique guy because you're not only one of my old partners, uh, when it all started, but you are a guy who's doing great work in uh, politics in a, uh, in a literal war zone, we'll say. Uh, so <laughs> as time moves forward here, I'm sure I will probably be reaching back out to you. Uh, as we get closer to the election, if you're cool with that, just to talk about, uh, I don't know, just anything really. Uh, now that you, back. Yeah, now that you got me convinced to do it one time, I think the second time won't be as difficult to convince me. Um, <laughs> so I'd be happy to come back. I'll try and do better next time. Dude, and, uh, what, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> don't you work in front of people all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. But I, I had, I'm a staff, I'm like, a, I'm a staffer, right? So I, all my work is kind of behind the scenes. Like I don't, I, I try not to speak too much in meetings. I, I do the text message to my, to the leader of our caucus and have him speak my mind, you know, uh, leave it up to the uh, elected officials. So I had to ask, guys, I had to ask this, uh, this politician from Minnesota multiple times to come on here. He's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? This is just you and me talking. There's no audience. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, no, it was a great time, Matt. It's awesome that you're doing this. I think it's really cool. I think you're really good at it. And so keep it up, man. And, uh, yeah, just see where it takes you, man. Oh, as long really, as you still have fun doing it, keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're so. grinding away, you know. Uh, it is what it is. We'll keep shoving forward. So, Gavin, thank you for coming on, man. My best to Jamie and the family, man. It's great talking to you. I hope to talk to you again very soon, man. Yeah, we'll see you later, buddy. Take care. Later, dude. Another big thank you to Gavin Hansen for coming on the program. That was a lot of fun catching up. I hope it's not uh, a couple years before we chat again. Stay safe out there, my friend. My best to you and your wife and your family, man. Keep doing the, the good work that you're doing there in Minnesota, man. And just a, a great time catching up with you, Gavin. Let's talk again very, very soon. Well, guys, that will wrap up our Tuesday episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Thank you for joining us. We will be joined tomorrow by who else? Who other than Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Bill is a retired police officer and retired college baseball umpire. He is here with us every single Wednesday to discuss mostly current events, a little bit of sports, and just kind of let out his strong opinions on everything. And I'm looking forward to our interview tomorrow because we're going to get to utilize our double microphones maybe it's not as exciting to you guys that it is for me but i love when equipment works it is so fun when i am able to uh swing and the ball hits my bat you know what i mean uh, accidentally and i can line one out there because uh man I, I struggle with technology so much and i'm so happy that things are finally starting to work uh that brings me to one point kind of as we close here i've done a lot of like these uh, self-help videos and how to do, how to, how to record, how to, a lot of how-to videos, right, on YouTube and everything. And it drives me absolutely crazy. It could be anything. It could be, here's how you set up a, a microphone. And it could be a three-minute video. And whoever's doing it, they're clicking and pointing and going through all this stuff super fast. And it's like, you guys understand this is a help video, right? Someone is watching this. You even did this video knowing that somebody needed help uh, to, uh, to to do, uh, to do operate something. And people just went, oh, yeah, click here, click, click, click. I'm like, 
Whoa, slow down. The people that do know aren't watching this video. So those are my two cents. If you're doing a self-help video or uh, whatever whatever they're called, I don't know, a how-to video, maybe that's self-help, whatever they're called, uh, you know what, slow down, will you? Slow down. I got to tell myself to slow down all the time here, but I know if I'm explaining something to somebody, I try to be real slow and man, I'm a visual person, guys, and sometimes people just want to jump ahead and ask me questions about things I've never heard of, and this comes from a guy that... Did, didn't know anything about technology now. So the fact that this show even gets off the ground every day is a miracle, let me tell you. But looking forward to chat with Bill Bards tomorrow on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Like I said earlier, I think most people who have heard Bill Barnes know where uh, what to expect, we'll say, and where he's coming from. He and I align uh, a lot with uh, our opinions and our political beliefs and kind of our opinions on current events. So uh, he usually gets gets after it pretty early and often and really looking forward to that. So join us tomorrow if you're interested. And if you're new to this uh, podcast, we welcome you to listen to uh, future episodes or even some past episodes. We got a lot of great content. We kind of broke down a lot of the analytics of our show early on today in, in the intro introduction portion of our show so uh those who are new to the show we welcome you we hope to have you back and those who have been uh listeners loyal listeners i appreciate you tuning in every single day or whenever you are able to to catch up kind of on the the episodes that we put out daily here on the get home safe podcast monday through friday we are here every morning for you guys we put it out there nice and early so those who are either on the west coast or west coast can get an early start on the day or for those on the east coast you know uh don't don't want to have it too late in the afternoon we put it out in the morning for you guys so everyone can tune in at their leisure so thank you for listening as always there's many ways to contribute to the get home safe podcast and by contribute we mean to tune in to reach out to contact us you can reach out to us any different uh, many different ways, I should say. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have some suggestions, you have some questions, anything you want me to address, feel free to contact us through any of those social media platforms or our email address. It really helps us to uh, keep everything together and to really stay organized. Uh, additionally, as I've said for weeks now, if you want to leave a voice message, it's like a voicemail. Think of it that way. Go to the Anchor website or the Anchor app. You can find our podcast, Get Home Safe Podcast. You can click on the green messages tab. You can record, leave a 10-second, 30-second message, however long you want to leave a message for. And I can play that message on the show if you'd like. And then I will then respond or uh, give an answer or rebuttal, whatever the case may be. We would love to hear from you in any different form, uh, social media or otherwise. Uh, yeah, we, we are very friend-friendly here at the Get Home Safe Podcast. We love our listeners and we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And we will answer uh, as we can in moving forward. So looking forward to hearing from you wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, the Anchor app that's been so great to us. Uh, we appreciate your listenership. Looking forward to having you with us again tomorrow. A few more guests towards the end of the week. Can't wait to share those with you. I can promise you they're great interviews. Uh, you can, uh, Everybody can get something from each one of them, I can promise you that. We try to get variety out here, and uh, that's our goal here on the Get Home Safe podcast. So thanks again. Gavin Hansen was a blast catching up with you, man. That was that was a fun time. Let's do it again soon. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.